Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. We've got a couple of guests today that have amazing experience. They're going to talk about a niche that is getting hotter and hotter by the minute, and it's something lots of people can participate in, and we'll tell you what that's all about today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. All aboard! Registration is about to open for the Real Estate Guys 18th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. Imagine spending an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals. Returning this year are sales legend Tom Hopkins, the authors of Prosper, Chris Martinson and Adam Taggart, and the author of The Creature from Jekyll Island, G. Edward Griffin. Also back is the editor of the Gold Newsletter, Brian London, and Jim Rohn's 18-year business partner, Kyle Wilson. And joining us live and in person for his 8th Investor Summit, Peter Schiff. Plus, returning for a seventh time, the best-selling personal finance author in history, Robert Kiyosaki. It all begins June 11th in Fort Lauderdale. Visit realestateguysradio.com and click the tab that says Summit at Sea to get on the advanced notice list. This transformational week is like no conference you've ever attended. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit at Sea and make plans to spend a week with the Real Estate Guys, Peter Schiff, Robert Kiyosaki, and an all-star faculty on the 18th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys Radio Show. We're in Lake Las Vegas, Nevada today. Let's say hi to our co-host and financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. Just coming off our uh, 2020 goals retreat. Yeah, it was fabulous. You know, we had uh, nearly 200 people. They are high achievers. People who come in, they want more out of life, and they realize the first thing you got to do is get clear, right? Mission, vision, values, clear goals and objectives. And then you take those things and you begin to put plans in place. Because if you really think about it, when you're out there deciding what to do on a daily basis, because that's where your life is either made or broken, right? On those little daily decisions, you're either moving clearly towards an outcome you're interested in, following a set of principles that you believe in uh, for reasons that really matter to you, or you're just wandering around lost in the wilderness, hoping somebody's going to come along and point you in the right direction. Uh, for a lot of people, the clock runs out and they never figure it out, and that's sad. That's why Thoreau said, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperations. Arguably one of the most important or the most important event that we do, because when you think about it, you're investing and your business decisions should really all reflect your mission, vision, values, and goals. And then you build a life that really pays you to live it. And uh, that's, to me, uh, retirement, you know, out of the rat race. It's not just having enough money to pay your bills and sit around on the beach. It's really about getting up every day and feeling like your life matters and you have all that you need while you're making a difference in the world. And everybody is different. Your priorities, your season in life, your resources. What we love about real estate is there's so many different ways to play, right? You can roll up your sleeves and buy properties that are all beat up and fix them up and make them beautiful. And people have a heart and a passion for that. Meanwhile, as a hard asset, you can passively invest and not have to do all that work. And so near the beginning of the year, we did a show on kind of what we see many of the top trends are going to be for this year. And you may not have noticed this, but all the shows since have been talking about some of those trends, right? We had Dr. Chris Martinson talking about the trend of what's happening in global economics and specifically with the Federal Reserve and, and the dollar. And then we talked about resort property and offshore property, which is also a pretty cool trend. Uh, we also mentioned this niche, which is build to rent. And uh, this has always happened where folks, in fact, there's a, a great book that uh, it has a, a not great title, but it's a great book. It's called Construction Funding. 
Isn't that a page-turning title? I'm I, pretty but, sure a branding expert was involved in yeah. that. So, but what? Here's my my point. The guy who wrote that book is a general contractor who builds and holds. So he builds everything, rents it out, and holds it. Now, what's happening today is builders have been buying land, building whatever they build to sell. And a lot of builders, that's their economic model. I buy some land, I figure out what to build, I get my capital stack, I do the work, and then I sell it off, whether it's office or retail or residential. But more and more, there is this idea of building the end product, not for someone to buy and use, but for someone to rent. And most renters are looking at older properties, single-family houses, apartments, townhouses that are already up and running, many of them built for owner-occupants. And those folks had something happen in their life, they move off, and now they decide to rent out their unit. And it may not be ideal as a rental for either the tenant or the landlord, but it kind of, you know, works. Well, there's this big move now, and we've talked about this a lot, and that is the idea of building something specifically with the tenant in mind. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. You know, when as an investor, you set your goals and you go out there and uh, decide what you're going to do based on what you want out of life. But the other side of that is you got to look at what the world is giving you to work with, right? And there's different seasons economically. There's demographic trends. We read a lot about the millennials and their debt load and their inability to purchase houses, and that's a big economic trend trend that's negative in some regards, but it's positive in other regards. Builders have recognized this some time ago that their normal market isn't normal. And to build homes for homeowners has been more challenging for them. And they recognize that. In fact, John Burns, a guy that we've been following for a long time, started reporting on this trend a few years ago. And we started really paying attention to it. And it's not the first time. I mean, this isn't the first time in a cycle that build to rent has been something. But it's probably the first time in a cycle where it's happened on this scale. And that's because you've got this giant demographic of young people that either aren't inclined or able, even with low interest rates, to purchase a home. And yet they still need a place to live. So the demand for housing is there, but the demand for housing ownership has shifted. And of course, on the flip side of that, now you've got a lot of interest in the asset class of real estate. For the first time, you've got hedge funds and big people that stepped in after 2008 and taken an interest in this asset class. And so big, big money has looked at it. So there's opportunity for builders to be able to create this kind of product. But as we always say, there's the mom and pop street level investors that are playing one-off small deals. And then there's the great big funds that are playing on a really big scale. And then there's this little sweet spot in between where there's opportunities for street rats like us to play. And that's really what we're going to be taking a look at is, is how, do you, how do you identify a market? How do you pick a product type and decide what you're going to do? And then how do you go from like, hey, that sounds like a good idea to actually getting involved? And of course, you'll want to know where is there opportunity for you? We'll talk about that today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects 
totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Do you have a self-directed IRA invested in a syndication? Guess what? It's a ticking time bomb. Why? Because IRAs get hit with UBIT taxes, even Roth IRAs. Hi, I'm Damian Lupo, and we fix this problem for you forever. It gets even better because using the EQRP, you can literally get rid of taxes from all of your gains forever and protect your nest egg. The EQRP is the best vehicle to get it done. IRAs can't do it, not even Roth IRAs. You see, UBIT happens whenever any type of IRA invests in anything with debt. Don't worry, even if your IRA is already invested in a deal, we can kill that tax. Our team at Total Control Financial is here to give you control of your retirement money and free you from that deadly IRA tax forever. Want to learn more about the EQRP? Send an email to eqrp at realestateguysradio.com. I'll email you my special report and send you a copy of the QRP book. Paying a 37% UBIT tax is stupid. First step to getting rid of that tax is to send an email to eqrp at realestateguysradio.com today. Hello, this is Dave Leninger, co-founder of REMAX International. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Heard every weekend on this great radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. We're talking today about this idea of building something to rent, and it's generally not a single house. So we're talking about builders who will take inventory, and instead of building it and selling it, building it and keeping it or selling it to investors that would hold it to rent. Please welcome back to the Real Estate Guys show. A couple of really cool guys, Low Hornbuckle and Austin Good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Thanks for having us. We are awesome. Thank you for having us on the show today. Well, we're happy to have you guys back. You are involved in a whole bunch of stuff and this is an area and Austin, let's start with you. You have a background in construction, general contractor. You've been building for a while and multiple exit strategies in your career and now build to rent has become a thing. Talk about kind of your transition into that. You've done some of that already, but talk about that. Sure. So I, I actually started as a real estate agent back in 2009 with my brother. Um, I joined forces with him. And so we've grown that side quite significantly. We'll do about 200 transactions on that side. In the meantime, I was um, fascinated with Robert Kiyosaki's book when I was 14. I read it and getting into single family uh, rentals was an obvious path for me. So I started off buying single family rental properties, uh, doing single family flips, handling all of the GC work. And it, and it was kind of um, fascinating to me to be able to control the whole process. I kind of enjoyed it. And the natural transition was to get into build to rent because inventory was starting to tighten. And I just thought, well, Instead of going in and doing gut rehabs on these things, maybe we should just go in, buy land, uh, develop it, and build it to rent. Uh, It just seems like uh, you could control the entire process a lot better and and easier. And as we did that, what we found is a a tremendous response and demand um, from folks. And this was kind of before the industry 
it being the hot topic on the industry like it is right now. Right. And so we kind of just uh, started doing that. We saw a lot of uh, a lot of demand. It was easier to keep these things rented. The turnover was lower. So there was a lot of benefits for us going into it that um, was reinforced pretty much right away. Well, if you're building something to sell, you do have market risk and you have that time between when you get a certificate of occupancy and when the property sells. And as a builder, you want that time to be very short, but the market is what the market is. So sometimes if your end user is an investor, they're ready to close right away. Now, maybe sometimes your end user is you and you're ready to turn that asset into something that produces. Talk about from the physical part, the difference in building a a home or a townhome to a person that's going to buy it and live in it versus how do you build for a tenant? So uh, for the most part, it's it's very similar. Um, There are differences uh, when it comes to durability of certain goods, like for example, using LVT for flooring, um, we've found, we've actually gotten rid of all carpet altogether in all of our deals. And we've just found that it's more durable, um, especially the the planks. Um, It's easier to, if there's a scratch, to change one plank things of that nature. There are some other, uh, there's some other things that you do differently in terms of uh, finish outs. The finish outs don't have to be as spectacular. Uh, I think they're more focused on, again, durability. We do build these things very design conscious though. we're, We're not trying to put out, uh, your class B products. We're not doing laminate. We're doing granite everywhere. Uh, but perhaps maybe we're using a level one granite or quartz versus, you know, a, a higher level uh, quartz or granite. And part of that has to do with exit strategy. So what you're building specifically, and, and this is true for a lot of builders, is units that are individually parceled so that an exit strategy would be to sell eventually to an end user or uh, an occupant. So right now, the market is demanding, especially with the markets where you are in, there are tenants who want to rent. So this is meeting that demand. But who knows, in five or 10 years, maybe there will be demand for more owner-occupants. This property works for that. Meanwhile, it's durable during the time the tenants Right. And you can always go in at the end and change some things out to make it a better first sale product if you if you so decide. I kind of liken it to I've got a bunch of scattered single family rentals that I own. And as the economy has done better, the real estate market has done better. Uh, the properties have doubled in value in a lot of cases, but the rents have have not. Right. And so your return on equity starts to go down. And so it's, it's, it's important that you actually cycle uh, into something that has a better, you know, return on equity at that point. Now, we see folks doing, you know, build to rent single family home neighborhoods. We see townhouses. We see what appear to be fourplex buildings and market that are together and run like an apartment building. What specifically are you, are you guys building? We actually do a combination of duplexes and townhomes right now. Really, in my mind, a townhome is actually anything that's individually platted that are that's attached. So, honestly, a duplex to me is technically a townhouse um, unless it was platted on one lot with two units. That's kind of what I call a, a true duplex. But the, yeah. the important part is... When you do it individually parceled, you're not limited to selling to investors, for example. You can sell to retail folks. And uh, like I was saying on the other return on equity deal, these these properties that are 
duplexes, for example, that aren't individually platted, they're kind of held to the income approach and not necessarily the comparable sales approach. And as you'll see, that means that the values of these properties can go up a lot higher than, say, the rents uh, go up. And and even with cap rate compression, it still doesn't matter. Because if if you have a big demand for primary occupants to go in, then you're not limited on what you can sell it for. Now, I have an advantage this morning, and that is that I can see these beautiful properties, the renderings you have. So it looks like eight townhouses contiguous, and they're beautiful, very modern, frankly, nicer than I would have thought build-to-rent would be. And at the same time, we're kind of in an interesting part of the economic cycle. And I know, Lo, you study this stuff, and you pay attention to where we're on the cycle. This has a unique angle in that it's fairly recession resistant. Can you talk to that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I got involved with Austin on the assisted living side. He's building a project that we're partnered on together. And, uh, you know, I couldn't help but, you know, when I did my due diligence on Austin as a partner to go out and look at the various projects that he had going. And and what I noticed about these projects were, like you said, they're very nice. Um, So they're a class A product that can rent for a class B price. And I thought to myself, well, that's a great way to survive a recession, number one. Uh, number two, you know, when you see a lot of apartment complexes these days, it feels like there's almost this amenity arms race happening, right? So you have yoga and you have, you know, dog washing stations and you have these just incredible pools with saunas and hot tubs. And it's great for the, uh, it's great for the client, but as an operator of the apartment complex, when things get tough, you have to imagine those services could certainly hurt, hurt you in a tough economic time. And so the nice thing about these uh, complexes that Austin's building is that they don't have to compete on an amenities basis because it's a single family home for a lot of the tenants. They have little yards. And so there's some advantages they have built in over traditional multifamily. The other thing is, is you talked about the multiple exit strategies. The reality is anytime you can sell something as an entire complex, sell something in individual plats or sell something to say this building to investor A, this building to investor B, you create these different exit strategies and obviously flexibility is an important thing to have during uh, a recession. So I really felt like that it was an awesome product from that point of view. And, and the last thing that I love about build to rent is, is the tax advantages are much better. So obviously with build to sale, for a lot of people, when you sell a product, you're being taxed at ordinary income. Maybe you're a dealer of homes, and that's obviously got some challenges with it as well from an IRS point of view in terms of your, your overall tax rate. Build-to-rent product obviously has all the advantages that you have with the government saying, hey, we'd like you to go out and build um, you know, affordable, clean, safe housing for folks. And so it really does offer, also offer some tax advantages as well, which the more money you save on taxes, the, the more uh, dry powder you can have during a recession, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And this is one of the things about investing in real estate is it's not like investing in other assets that you get in and out of quickly and easily. Every time I sell a property, there's time involved and there's transactional costs, commissions and transfer fees and all that kind of stuff. So we like to say you get married to a market, you get married to a project. And uh, the way you guys look at this, this is a long-term asset. But I love the fact that it's got multiple exit strategies and multiple uses because an owner-occupant is a different use than a tenant. Yeah. And one thing we've noticed too is that we really have two different sort of converging demographics in the projects that we've done. So it's kind of interesting. You talked about sort of uh, the home ownership trends a little bit at the beginning and and millennials. You know, we're both millennials. So in some ways, our business is a couple millennial guys interacting with millennial tenants, yeah. right? So that's kind of an interesting angle that we've kind of noticed. But what's fascinating is the types of markets that we're in, 
we're sort of seeing a competition between families that want affordable single family housing, but also students and people, you know, nurse people maybe going to higher degrees, you know, graduate school, things like that. So it's very interesting in the sense that we have kind of two different demographics, right? We have sort of the younger student population. Then we also have families looking for a way to get into a three or four bedroom house or townhouse at an affordable price range. Well, that's a good point, because if you look at the utility of these, they are larger townhomes or two stories, three bedrooms or four bedrooms. And and that's a lot of room for a family. But even at the rents that you're performing, those rents are less than what a comparable single family house would be. And yet for tenants, I'm not sure they want a big yard to take care of and mowing and all that kind of stuff. So you've got these nice yards and kind of a common amenity park area and so forth and a lot less work for the tenant to do. Yeah. And I think lower turnover is one of the results of giving a product like that and what you're talking about, having a maintenance-free lifestyle uh, that apartments typically lend. However, then you get all the benefits from being able to purchase a single-family property. So I think it's it's kind of a combination of the best of both worlds. And we're seeing that people tend to, A, take care of the properties more. They have a, they'll go out and do gardening. They, they'll treat it like it, it's their, their own home. And, and they want to they stay longer. Um, they want to implant themselves there. So it's, it's just a really, really, really strong, a strong thing because, as you know, turnover is one of the you know, highest costs um, involved in operating expenses on uh, any sort of multifamily uh, property. Absolutely. Two biggest expenses we have, turnover and vacancy. If you can minimize those things, you're in great shape. The other angle, which may be obvious, is that if you're renting something, if you're a tenant, brand new has an appeal that, you know, you only get to do once or twice, right? I mean, maybe if it's a year old, it still feels brand new, but there's a difference between renting a 25-year-old property and something that's just been built. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's there's a definite advantage there. There's a definite advantage getting in these things, holding them for, say, 10 years, and then perhaps selling them and moving on and doing doing it all over again. Uh, you can continue to operate them, though, and, and, and just make sure that you do a good job with capital expenditures and things of that nature. But I, I think you're right. It, for those entering into certain deals like the ones that we've we've had and and have currently, uh, there's a there's a lot of advantage there. You're taking out a lot of unknowns whenever you're building something. Uh, from scratch. Yeah. And that's also philosophy. You know, I remember Russ and I had our investor mentoring club years ago in Northern California, and we did a poll one night. We said, who thinks it's more risky to either buy something used or build something from the ground up? So who thinks it's more risky to build? Most hands. Oh, that's a lot. I mean, boy, so much there. Okay, who thinks it's more risky to buy something that has already been built where you really don't know how or when or where? Another set of hands, right? The more I get around real estate, I think if you can control everything, and we've talked about control, that makes it so much easier. Everything's a known quantity. You you have a, a project, Austin, where you took over a fairly big project when there were just a few houses that were built. So those houses were built how they were built and you weren't there to supervise yeah. it. And so you kind of inherited that. And then you took that project and, and built a whole bunch more. So that's, a, that's an interesting mindset of most people would think it's riskier to build from a guy that's done both to- well, I think your biggest risk a lot of times is your construction risk, and you, you, that a lot of that has to do with the construction partner that you 
uh, engage with. And so it, it's been very important to us to, can, again, add another level of control. So new construction uh, gives you more control, but then uh, being the GC uh, takes out a ton of that that risk there uh, because it's, it's not uncommon for uh, GCs to rob Peter to pay Paul, get backwards on cash flow. It's a very cash flow intensive business. And if you, if you, if you mess up on it, then uh, you can easily go into the negative side of things and, and then get in trouble. I think people don't realize that builder's profit is not as much as they might think, right? My builders, you know, can operate on a five to 15% profit margin, sometimes more, sometimes less, but it's not like builders are making a 60% profit margin either. No, no, absolutely not. And there's things, uh, there's certain overhead items. You try to get in there and the indirect costs and things like that. But if you're trying to stay competitive, when it comes down to it, I think I've read some studies where the actual net net is more along the lines of 3% for a, for a construction company yeah. doing stuff at this level. And I believe it. <laughs> well, and one other nuance here is that you're not building one or two, right? In your current project, which we'll talk about when we come back, it's almost 90. That's a big number. And so you get some efficiencies, economies of scale, workflow, all that kind of stuff. And of course, that in your model translates to return to the bottom line, not more profit for you as a builder. Correct, it, it does. So efficiencies is very important when you're doing uh, large amounts uh, of units. However, at the same time, because of labor shortages, uh, depending on your timeline, it, it can be a double-edged sword. Yeah. So a lot of people do come to me and they said, you know, hey, we're building X amount of units, shouldn't we get better deals? Well, on materials, 100%. Yeah. Uh, materials, 100%. But on labor, just depends on your timeline, how uh, how deep your labor pool is there. Luckily, we've been able to kind of instill uh, some things. We started during the recession. Uh, we were very, very close with our uh, vendors and contractors. And so there's, there's a lot of guys that will pick up the phone when I call them and come do a deal for me and maybe even at a lower profit margin because I was there for them when they needed work earlier on. Yeah, good stuff. We're talking with Austin Good and Low Hornbuckle about this idea of building to rent. Now, where's their opportunity for you as an investor? Lots of different places. We'll talk about that when we come back. We'll also play real estate trivia next. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio show. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Hey, it's Robert Helms. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. I want to personally invite you to come see an amazing real estate market that combines excellent cash flow, offshore diversification, and what we affectionately call lifestyle investing. Come join me from February 7th to 10th in the beautiful country of Belize. The Real Estate Guys have been bringing investors to Belize for more than 14 years now, and our discovery trip is designed to show you the market like nobody else can. Sure, Belize is breathtakingly beautiful, the people are wonderful, and wait till you taste the food. But the real opportunity is the real estate investment potential. 2018 was the biggest year in tourism Belize has ever witnessed, and this year will likely beat it. How does that translate to real estate investment? That's what you have to come see. There's all types of opportunity in Belize when it comes to real estate investing, including both long and short-term rentals, commercial and retail triple net properties, business opportunities, land acquisition, development, agriculture, and more. And as the only country in Latin America with English as its official language, it's easy to understand the law. 
property rights are strong and contracts are in English. And in Ambergris Key, a unique situation exists where demand for rentals continues to outstrip supply, creating a compelling environment for investors. So come see for yourself. Join me February 7th through 10th in Ambergris Key, Belize as we study the market, learn about the sustainable drivers, and tour lots of beautiful real estate. And like all of our field trips, there are no properties for sale during the weekend. Rather, you'll meet lots of local providers that will help educate you about the market so that you can follow up with them after the trip if the market is interesting to you. You've heard about Belize and the real estate guys for all these years. Now come see what all the excitement is about. Plus, we'll have lots of time over meals and activities to talk about all things real estate. And we'll have a very special guest. Super syndicator Dave Zook will join us to share how he's raised more than $150 million in the last five years and why he loves Belize. To get the details, go to the website at realestateguysradio.com and click on events where you'll find the Belize Discovery Trips. Once you register, you'll get information about our group hotel rates as well as travel details. So join me in Belize, February 7th through 12th, 2020. It's a beautiful country with lots of amazing possibilities and the only thing missing is you. Go to realestateguysradio.com under events. I look forward to seeing you in beautiful Belize. Hey, this is John Asraf, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, broadcasting from beautiful Lake Las Vegas, Nevada this week. We're talking about build to rent, kind of turnkey investment property, and visiting with Austin Good and Lowell Hornbuckle. Lots more to ask those guys, but first, it's time to take a break and play real estate trivia. That's your chance to win a prize. By knowing today's real estate trivia question, just a minute, I'm going to ask you a question that has something to do with real estate, and as soon as you know the answer or want to guess, send your best guess to trivia at realestateguysradio.com, trivia at realestateguysradio.com. You want to include your name, the answer to the question, and your mailing address, because if you're the first one that gets it right, we're going to get you an awesome prize called Life-Defining Moments from Bold Thought Leaders. It's a great book. It's a collection of stories from some incredible people. You're going to love it. That can be yours if you know today's real estate trivia question. Last week, we were in Belize, and we asked this, what's the national flower of Belize? Well, why everybody has a green thumb in Belize and all kinds of stuff grows, the national flower is the black orchid. In fact, it blooms nearly all year round, and it's not truly black, kind of a mixture of green, yellow, and a deep purple, almost black base. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. Which U.S. state was the last to raise the legal drinking age to 21? Yeah, many states had different ages at which it was legal to consume alcohol, and sometimes it was just beer or wine. And anyway, now all of the states are at 21, which was the last U.S. state to raise the legal drinking age. If you know, or just want to guess, I guess it's 1 in 50 shot, send your answer to trivia at realestateguysradio.com, trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Give us your name, your guess, and your mailing address so that if you win, we can send you life-defining moments from bold thought leaders. That's today's real estate trivia question. We're talking about building to rent and uh, really where is that opportunity translate to folks who are maybe listening to that. And uh, our guest today, Lo Hornbuckle, Austin Good. Uh, Lo, you have often been involved with projects that you hang on to. You syndicate, meaning you raise money to do deals and you grab them and keep them for the production of income. In fact, in many cases, operate, which is one way to go. And then there's the whole idea of, well, I like the idea. I like the niche. 
I'm not sure I want to get my hands dirty. What's great about Build to Rent, there's lots of places to play. Certainly throughout the country, there are places where individual investors can buy a house or a townhome that's been built with a tenant in mind. So they own four units or one unit or, or 10 units. In this case, what you guys are doing isn't selling individual units. You're instead collectively owning these units. Can you speak to that, Low? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it should be noted that um, the timeline for us is typically about a 10-year hold time. Yeah. And, and part of the reason for that is just we generally believe in buy and hold as a strategy. But we've also been fortunate that we've uh, found some viable opportunity zone projects. Uh, and I would say we found them. It really probably should say they found us yeah. in the sense that we purchased land and then retroactively found out this land was in an opportunity zone. Um, which we're excited about. And so one of the components of opportunity zone investing is that you have to hold it for 10 years to get the maximum tax benefit. I know y'all have talked about opportunity zones on the show many times. We were happy because from our point of view, it's great when you can do a project like that and have it be something where the tax portion is a bonus as opposed to the reason you make the decision. Yes. And a lot of our investors, you know, maybe they're making a decision for tax reasons, but the last thing you'd want is a sponsor of the deal or the construction company to be making a decision on taxes solely, right? It needs to be a project that's viable. Well, especially because so many Opportunity Zone deals today are tax-driven. It's like, well, okay, I, I wouldn't have invested in this area except for the fact, and there are some great benefits to investing in Opportunity Zones, but that's the reason they do it. The, the fact that it happens to be in an Opportunity Zone, you guys already figured out the market is strong and the demand is there, and the fact that it has this overlay means that there's an additional bonus for passive investors that want to get involved. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things we've done is we've taken a lot of meetings with funds that basically raise money for only op zone deals, and they have to place money in opportunity zone projects. And what we've kind of noticed anecdotally is that the return thresholds for those funds might be 10 or 11%, whereas on a project that we would do for a traditional investor, it might be 17 or 18% returns. And so uh, it's really kind of fascinating because we've always philosophically said, hey, let's make this investment available for people that are opportunity zone investors, non-opportunity zone investors. And so for a lot of the people that are motivated by the opportunity zone, these are projects they would invest in whether they had the capital gain tax problem to begin with. And now they get the bonus of being able to do that. And so, you know, we're seeing that that massive spread and philosophically, we're not adjusting the returns down because it's an opportunity zone deal. You know, that's just extra gravy for the opportunity zone investors to take advantage of. Well, I think a big part of that is what drives someone to want to invest in an opportunity zone is often not the deal, not even the area and that they're helping, you know, areas that need help. It's that they've got a capital gain issue from something. And rather than pay a bunch of tax, wow, I could defer some tax. I could lower my tax a little bit and whatever they make on the new deal tax-free. We are not a tax advisors, but definitely go back and you can look in the archives. A couple shows we've, we've done on that. But for you guys, it's not theory. You've already done Opportunity Zone deals. So talk about how that is an attraction to the kinds of investors that you guys work with. Yeah. So from our perspective, um, you know, we're we're real estate people and a lot of our investors are dyed in the wool real estate people. So they invest in, you know, they, they invest in their personal account. They invest in passively in various projects. I think between the two of us, we're involved in, you know, half a dozen different asset classes, you know, ranging from single family homes all the way to RV parks to you know, commercial strips Retail, to all yeah. kinds of things. Yep. And um, what we've noticed with Opportunity Zone is that there's a different type of investor that's all of a sudden getting interested in real estate. So I think one of the greatest benefits of the Opportunity Zone from, from our perspective has been 
that there's somebody that might have, you know, had a capital gain event from a company selling or might have had a capital gain event from cryptocurrency or might have had a capital gain event from a stock sale. Yep. And so those people are now kind of coming into our world. And the thing about it is what I've always found with real estate is once it kind of gets in your blood, once it kind of gets in your system and you truly understand it for what it is, you generally stick around for a long time. Yeah. And so the best thing about the opportunity zones uh, for other real estate investors, I think there's going to be a whole crop of investors that in the past never really considered real estate investing that are now going to be part of this community and part of this tribe. So I think it's going to be fantastic. Whether you have an opportunity zone deal or not, it's going to be good for real estate as a whole because it's going to attract these different people, right? In the past, it may not have been that easy to talk to a Silicon Valley person about real estate because they're so focused on you know disruptive technologies, things of that nature, whereas real estate's kind of for them kind of a, a single or a double to use the baseball metaphor. Yep. And eventually you realize if you do enough singles and doubles and you focus on the taxes and you focus on the leverage benefits, that real estate has a lot to offer that you can't find in other asset classes. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is opportunity zones are not created equal. As you look across the country and even in Puerto Rico where there are opportunity zone opportunities, there are some areas that aren't going to make any economic sense. There's a bunch of requirements that you have to have basis in the land. You've got to put more CapEx into the but new construction fit fits all that. So it fits nicely. There's also a synergy in your projects, which we'll talk about in a minute. But before we can talk about that, let's talk markets because there are great markets for opportunity zone deals and markets that aren't so good. There are great markets for build to rent and markets where that model doesn't hold as well. You've selected a market that kind of works for both. And let's talk about specifically where this latest project is. Yeah, this project is in uh, Denton, Texas, which is uh, kind of another... Uh, metro, really. Uh, there, there's debate over whether it's a metro or it's just a suburb. Right. But it's kind of it's got a big some, suburb. It's a big suburb. So Denton is kind of unique uh, in the sense that there's a lot of different uh, diversity there. We've got three major hospitals, two major colleges, but there's three colleges in total. I, I think there's another three extra hospitals there. So it's very healthcare oriented. We've got some pretty large companies there as well. And what I've found is that because the tenant base that we're able to draw from could 100% come from students or it could 100% come from families, uh, young families, uh, it, it really kind of helps to uh, diversify our risk or mitigate our risk, I should say, especially since recession resistance we were talking about earlier, students typically, student enrollment typically goes up during a recession. So it's nice to be able to draw from these different uh, economic groups. Uh, maybe when student population goes down, then we just draw more from the other side of things. So uh, it's been a it's been a really nice area to go into for this. And provide a little bit of context. Uh, Denton's about forty five minutes north of Dallas, and so you know, for those of you that spend any time in the Dallas market, you know, all these various cities like Dallas, Plano, Frisco, Denton, they're all really kind of merging together, where it's all just kind of one just never ending city. And uh, a lot like Los Angeles at one time. And yep. so what's really kind of fascinating for us is, is we, you know, there are plenty of people that want to live in a place that has a little bit slower pace of life, right? A little bit more live music, a little bit more of a sort of a college town. But at the same time, they can now work in the Plano, the Frisco or the Dallas because it's only about a 30 or 45 minute commute for those folks. Yeah. And you actually have some synergy there yourselves because the project that uh, you have funded as an Opportunity Zone recently is – senior housing assisted living project that is adjacent 
And on the other side is a duplex project, Austin, that you've had up and running. Those units are built and you've discovered there's demand for tenancy. So this is not tax driven. It's really more demand driven. I mean, I know you're going to have what, over 100 employees at, at your project. What a perfect place to live right next door in these beautiful townhomes. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly how we feel. And, and you know, the nice thing is I, I'm just kind of imagining that, you know, if you have 100 employees that, you know, five or 10 of them are probably just going to want to live next door and walk to work. And, you know, if that person happens to be a manager or administrator, I mean, what better situation than to have someone where you can just call them up in an emergency so they can come over to the assisted living or the memory care facility to to help out if something comes up. You know, a lot of healthcare workers are very committed to what they do. And so the attraction of being able to live in a, a class A product like this townhouse project that we're doing, you know, go to work at a, a class A assisted living facility and you can walk to work. It's a very attractive lifestyle to offer. But as you mentioned, diverse economy. So there's a lot of other places. That's what we look for in a market is multiple stories, multiple reasons. If there's one employer in town and that's where everybody, you know, works and those are, are the, the tenants you have, that's great when everything is going well. But when that employer, you know, moves to Singapore or goes out of business, now what? You don't have that in Denton. And even greater DFW, because I know a lot of folks who live in Denton for the lifestyle, but they travel from DFW. It's a great airport to travel from. And there's actually two airports, obviously, in, in Dallas. And then folks that have jobs there and they just... They want to be out. They don't want to be in Dallas proper. They want to be outside a little bit. And so it works for that as well. Yeah. And in Texas, we have highways upon highways upon highways. So to get really anywhere, it doesn't take very long anymore. And uh, uh, the 380 corridor is the uh, gateway into uh, Denton from uh, a place uh, like Frisco, which uh, Frisco is in Denton County. I believe Frisco itself is the number one fastest growing city in that area in general. And Denton County in general is the number one fastest growing area. So it's it's really nice to be able to draw from all of this population growth that's not only happening within uh, Denton proper, but right around it with such great access to it. Good stuff. So uh, let's talk specifically about how somebody gets involved. You are not building these to sell to investors, although that is perfectly a valid model and many builders do that. What you guys are doing instead is your real estate syndicators. So you raise the capital to do this. And because of the opportunity zone overlay, it's going to be a 10-year hold. But you do have the multiple exit strategy. So what is kind of the overall business plan for this investment. Yeah, I think to liken it to something that maybe people have experienced before is that it's essentially going to operate like a multifamily property. So there's going to be, you know, a leasing agent and a maintenance staff sort of overseeing the project. And so in a lot of ways it's going to be a typical multifamily build lease out development project. The main difference for us is is just on the operation side, we can pick up some efficiencies. We're able to bring a class A product to market for kind of a class B price, all yep. the recession resistance that we talked about. And ultimately, we just feel like this product is just very attractive to the tenant base. Yeah. And so if you really think about it, it's really kind of a multifamily deal with a unique selling proposition and the ability to have the multiple exit strategies so that when the market, because none of us really know what's going to happen in 10 years, we can take a guess and we can, we can offer our best guess, but having the ability to sell them as individual units, having the ability to have an investor say, gosh, I'd love to buy 30 of these, but I, I can't take down the whole 90. I'd pay a premium for the 30 though, is an attractive exit strategy for the investors. And of course, obviously having someone buy the entire complex for the income stream it produced. 
So ultimately, it really does function like a multifamily development with a unique selling proposition and with some added bonuses in terms of operational efficiency for the investors and for the team. Yeah, because this is our third development. Um, this is the second phase of one of the first ones we did there that was highly successful, which is why we're we're basically doing it all over again because the demand is just crazy. But we have a, a property up the street about two miles. And it's these are all very, very similar products, uh, but there are distinct differences that kind of allow us to have different levels to offer people. And that creates a lot of perceived value. So rather than feeling like we're competing against each other, we feel like the way we design these things just allows us to give different offerings and maybe charge 50 bucks more for this particular product that's important to somebody or, you know, $100 more for this uh, extra amenity. So it, we, we kind of use it to um, play off of each other rather yeah. than compete with each other. Well, great synergy. That's what yeah. a community is. If every yeah. unit's exactly the same, right, then what happens when someone's family increases, they want to move, it's possible they move from one of your developments to another, right? And so because you've got good property management and services and all that kind of stuff. And that's because of scale. So good, good stuff. Hey, um, we asked you guys to put together a little report on some of the bullet points, some of the things we've talked about, some we haven't gotten to, but this report is specifically on build to rent. Tell us about the report. Yeah, so the report really focuses on um, sort of our core idea that build to rent to own and operate these communities offers so many advantages that we talked about. We also talk about specifically in the report about how the townhouses and duplexes are actually a superior build to rent product in a lot of ways, in our opinion, uh, for, the, for the right market. And so the report really kind of goes through and kind of outlines all the advantages that build to rent has to offer versus build to sell. And also talks about how townhouses and duplexes really have a unique selling proposition in the marketplace that we think will provide for a lot of durability for investors, whether they want to go out and do this, do this themselves, whether they want to go out and, you know, buy onesies and twosies, or whether they want to look at this as a passive investment opportunity that they have the option to understand why we feel like it's a great option in the marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. Regardless of market, I mean, you guys have picked a really good market, but there's a lot of markets and there's a lot of markets where this product makes sense. So if you're interested in this idea of build to rent, new product with no deferred maintenance and some real great attributes, then uh, just send a, uh, an email to us. You know what, you know what's coming. Build to rent at realestateguysradio.com. Send an email to build to rent at realestateguysradio.com. You get that report. Austin, Lowe, thanks so much for your time and attention. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, having you guys back on the show and hearing how it's going. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's over to the Real Estate Guys radio program. When we come back, I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Real Estate Guys listeners, are you tired of losing real estate deals due to financing issues? Have you had enough of waiting on banks, lenders, and investor groups to fund new projects? What if there were a way to eliminate all the hassle and invest in real estate on your own terms? I'm here to tell you there is. Patrick Donahoe here from Paradigm Life. I'm an Investopedia Top 100 Most Influential Financial Advisor, and I recently wrote a best-selling book about the financial strategy that changed my entire investment model, and the one that could change yours. To get a copy of my book for free and learn how you can maximize your real estate portfolio by acting as your own bank, send an email to mybank at realestateguysradio.com. Don't make another real estate deal without reading my book first. Email mybank 
at realestateguysradio.com now to get your copy for free. When it comes to successful rental property investing, it pays to be picky. Pick the right markets, pick profitable properties, and pick great property management. That's easier said than done, but we've got great news. Jerry Kerr and his rock star team at Mid-South Homebuyers are going strong in Memphis, Tennessee, and Little Rock, Arkansas, too. So for a top-notch turnkey single-family home rental property, whether you're a new investor or have a large portfolio already, pick Terry Kerr and Mid-South for a truly A-plus investing experience. To learn more, send an email to midsouth at realestateguysradio.com. That's midsouth at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Peter Schiff, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Tell a friend about The Real Estate Guys. And if you're interested in doing bigger deals using other people's money, like Austin and Lowe do, come on out to The Secrets of Successful Syndication. It happens at the end of March in Dallas, Texas. I know you'll meet Lowe there. And uh, it's a great event, whether you're thinking about becoming a passive investor in these kinds of deals and you want to vet operators and syndicators, or if you think maybe you've gotten to the point in your career where you want to do more, it's the secrets of successful syndication, all the details on our website at realestateguysradio.com. I don't know about you, Russ, but I learned a bunch today. Yeah. You know, I was just sitting here thinking, I wish that we could do four or five more shows with these guys because there's so much there. I think there's so many nuances. I'd really encourage you, you know, if you're listening to this in the podcast version, go back and listen to it maybe two or three times. Lowe's one of the smartest guys I know. And he also is one of the people that I really appreciate the most in terms of validating the work that we do, right? Because he started out in our listening audience. He wasn't even in the business. He started right. listening. He plugged into our network. He came to our events. He learned how to do the business. And then he's just taking things to the next level. And it's really gratifying, you know, as kind of a, I don't know that I call myself a teacher, but as somebody that's out there kind of stimulating people in a new way of thinking and a direction of thinking, and then they grab a hold of it and then then really kind of pass you up. And then you're sitting there learning from them. He understands markets. He understands business strategies. He forms strategic relationships. There's so much about this particular project and the nuances. You know, whether you're interested in the project or not as an investor, that that's beside the point. Just as somebody who's looking to develop yourself as a real estate entrepreneur, to listen to the way Lowe thinks, to how how he aligned himself from their market selection to their product selection to his understanding of what the offering does for his prospective investors, for his employees at his adjacent project, for uh, his partners, you know, for his tenants, for the community. I mean, there's so many nuances there. Uh, I was just really just taking notes and it was really encouraging me to hear somebody who really understands their business at a strategic level. Maybe that's because I'm a strategy guy, Riley. Really appreciate people that think that way. Well, and also uh, the partnership they have, right? Because for all Lowe's background and experience, which includes a lot in sales, a very important skill as we talk about, uh, not construction. And so Austin's background in real estate, brokerage, and in construction, and specifically in Texas, right? It all kinds of comes together. And so that lesson is, who, who's on your team? Who needs to be on your team? How do you fill the gap there? And then how can the power of the mastermind, right? When two people come together, it's more than just one plus one equals two. It's one plus 
one equals a whole bunch. So you can learn a lot from these guys. In fact, we're working on a kind of cool thing. We're going to have, we'll call it a field trip exactly, but a day trip to go and see a couple of uh, commercial syndication projects that we're going to do around one of our upcoming events. So you'll hear more about that if you're interested. Boots on the ground, get a chance to meet Austin and pick his brain on construction, meet Low, pick his brain on strategy and what they're doing and how the various things interplay. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be a great educational event. Yeah, I mean, I don't care how you do it. I think one of the most important things anybody who's interested in mastering a new industry or becoming more successful in any given area, you got to get around the right people. And it's great to be listening to radio shows and podcasts, and you should. It's great to be reading books and watching webinars, and you should. But you really got to get out because it's a lot more about the relationships because you, can t- you can't implement the ideas without other people. And you don't develop your communication skills, your relationship skills, unless you're out in the real world interacting with people. We create environments for you to do that, encourage you to take advantage of those. Create one in your own community if you want. We've talked about that. Start a club or, or join a club in your local area. Go to different conferences, seminars. Get around people that are actually doing the things at a high level that you want to do. And just by being in the environment, you will be pulled up. Big thanks to Austin Good and Low Homebrooker for sharing their great passion and ideas today. If you want to learn more about Build to Rent, if that sounds interesting, just send an email to Build to Rent at realestateguysradio.com. Next week on the show, we have an amazing guest for you, someone who's had a profound impact on my life, one of the greats in sales, leadership, and personal development, Brian Tracy, next week on The Real Estate Guys. Until then, go out and make some equity happen. Hello, this is Robert Kiyosaki, and I'm very excited that I'll be joining The Real Estate Guys for their Investor Real Estate Summit at Sea. Join me, join my friends, join The Real Estate Guys Investor Summit at Sea, and I'll see you out there. Thank you very much. This episode of The Real Estate Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the Resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.